Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. We're going through the book of Esther, and we're going to be in Esther chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. That's all of chapter 7. And so as you're getting ready and getting the books and whatever, just let me bring you up to date. Just remind you, let's review real quickly. Chapter 1, the queen that is present refuses a request from the king and so he moves her out of the way and after two a new queen is found it's Esther and she is the one that is put in that place chapter three Haman a very important man in the whole government second in command he gets the king to agree to kill all the Jews now there's one thing to understand as you read that chapter I don't know if you noticed it or not but it'll come to play again the king really doesn't know who he's agreed to have killed the Haman just tells them there's a people and the king says good get rid of them chapter four Mordecai convinces Esther Mordecai is Esther's adopted daughter that's what he's done with her they're related and so he convinces her look you've got to do something you've got to stop this you've come to the kingdom for this moment and this time you need to to act chapter five Esther does that she approaches the king she says look I have a request he says whatever you want up to half the kingdom you can have it So she just invites him to dinner and they have a little banquet and Haman, because he's just ticked off and doesn't like Mordecai, he prepares a sharp pole to kill him on. Chapter six, the king couldn't sleep at night. He remembers that someone had saved him because from a revolt, found out it was Mordecai, he hadn't been rewarded, so Mordecai is honored and Haman is disgraced. So Esther invited him to the banquet and now it's the next day. So we're going to look at, first of all, ooh, chapter three. Okay. It's three. Let me go back. Okay, that's, that's good. Oh, this is fun. Can I just play with this for a while and find out what's it? No, no, never mind. I'll, I'll give it to you. Esther gives her request. Gives her request. For those of you who are spelling impaired, R-E-Q-U-E-S-T. All right. So it's the next day, the king and Haman went to the queen, Esther, queen Esther's banquet. She said, look, he kept saying, what do you want? He, she said, look, just come to the banquet the next day. She says, this is the second one. So they went, chapter, verse two. On the second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it's half the kingdom. Now that's a lot. Queen Esther replied, if I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. Now, for my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we had merely been sold as slaves, and if that was all that we were dealing with here, I wouldn't even bring this to you. I'd just remain quiet and that'd just be a trivial matter to warrant disturbing the king. So notice notice how Esther postpones her request. Notice that she's had an opportunity the day before, but said something's not right here. Now, because she waited, what happened that night? That night, the king couldn't sleep, remember? And that night, he recognized there was someone who he hadn't rewarded. 
and God had a chance to soften the heart of the king, so to speak, and God had a chance to move. And so she could have given up, but she waited and allowed God more time to work. And Mordecai is given great answer. Notice she speaks with respect, if it pleases the king. I wouldn't wouldn't ask for much. We'll see how this goes. Wouldn't ask for much. It's just, it's not a minor issue. This is a big issue because I'm involved. So two things we can learn from this. Number one, God's timing is critical. God's timing is critical. In other words, she could have done this the day before, but she waits for the right moment. You and I, when it comes to God working, are usually in a big hurry, aren't we? We want things to happen now. But you notice and study the Old Testament, God made promises to people. He always kept his promise, but he didn't always do it immediately, did he? David, you're anointed king. Now let's all chase you around for a while, and after we've been some years, we'll get you there. Moses, you're going to set my people go. About 40 years, Moses. Abraham, you're going to be a father of a great nation. It's going to be a while. We don't like that, do we? But let me tell you something, and I'm sure we've all experienced it. When you get in a hurry, you miss God. And you and I have to learn to be sensitive to God's timing. Knowing what God wants is one thing. Knowing when he wants it is something else. And many times he tells us what he wants, and we think, okay, it's going to happen now. No, it's later. And so I just have to accept, Esther understood this, the critical part of the timing of God. And that means that you have to be comfortable in times of silence. Because as Saul is chasing King David, even though King David has been anointed king, David's still crying out to God, God, where are you? God, what's going on? And have you ever had those moments in your life when you feel like God's going to do this, but nothing's happening? And God, come on, let's go. Where are you? Why aren't you doing this? And we get impatient. We act impulsively. We think God's forgotten us. But God is still working. And you will find times throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, when, you know, the word of the Lord was rare, it says. God was still doing things. And so sometimes you just have to be quiet. God has spoken to you. You hold it close. You keep it there and understand he will take care of it. Esther banked on that. And so she said, okay, now's the moment, King, I'm going to tell you. Next, Haman's plot is revealed. His plot is revealed. So she said, hey, these people are getting ready to kill me, kill my people. Verse 5, who would do such a thing, the king demanded. Who in the world would kill you and who would kill these people? Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? Esther, you're saying somebody's trying to kill you? Who would do that? Nestor replied, this wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy. And Haman grew pale with fright before the king and the queen. Yeah, that would kind of put you on edge, wouldn't it? And so it's revealed of who he is. She's not aware 
that the king doesn't know. The king didn't know he signed for all the Jews. The king didn't even know at the time that Esther was a Jew. And now suddenly it's all out. Now suddenly a new, whole new revelation. And so she came to that place where she, here it is. Who's going to do this? Well, it's him. The king's kind of shocked. How could you do that? How could you take, think about doing that? And so Haman knows, all right, be careful. So what do we learn from that? Be constantly aware of your enemies. Now, let me just tell you something. If you're a Christian, you have enemies. They're usually not the enemies you think. You think it's the people that are just rubbing you the wrong way. Here's what scripture says. Psalm 139. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme, they blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred for your enemies are my enemies. God, if they're against you, oh, but my neighbor's a good person. Oh, but the person I work with is just wonderful. Oh, they're just good people. If they don't know God, they're not for God. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to go out and slaughter your enemies. It just means, what I say? Be aware that sometimes, you, oh, they're good people. They'll do good things. Be aware. Their motives are not your motives. Their ways are not God's ways. Oh, everybody loves me. They may, but not all are for you. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Notice how David does this. God, the people that hate you, they're my enemies too. But God, before we get too far down the road here, would you search me? Would you help me to be the person I want to be, you think I am? And I wanted to live the life that's there. And I just have to be aware that there are people in this world who are against the things of God. And if you choose to serve God, they're going to be against you. And many times you don't need to do anything about it. You just need to know it and don't get thrown off kilter because they go against you. They're not going to understand your ways. They're not going to understand your thinking. Well, why can't you do this? Why won't you do this? And they just, you know, what's going on? Because you behave differently and act differently and talk differently, they question you. And so you just need to be aware. The other thing you need to understand is what you're trying to cover up, God will expose. Nothing is hidden from God. And eventually it will come out. Well, I know a person who did something and they covered up and they got by with it all their life. Okay, here's what I know. One day they're going to stand before God and it's going to be exposed. God keeps great records and God is just. But here's what I also know. Most of the time when people do something that is against God and is wrong and try to hide it, 
God has a way of bringing it to light. Now you have to be very, you and I have to be very sensitive about this because too many times we want to expose it and God is saying, not yet. Too many times we want to take it into our hands. Well, everybody needs to know they're like this. God will take care of that. Esther put everything into God's hands, didn't she? Esther just did what God told her to do in a manner that God called her to do it. And she let him take care of justice. Remember, here's what he says. Vengeance is mine. I'll take care of it. I'll repay. And so she lets that happen. She realized this man's an enemy of ours. This man's against us. This man is trouble. Mark it. And that's all she does. She just says, that's it. Now notice, she's not going to take matters into her own hands. She's going to let the king take care of it. Sometimes it's hard to let the king take care of it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. The king is filled with rage. The king is filled with rage. Verse 7. The king jumped to his feet in a rage and went out into the palace garden. Let me calm down. Let me get a hold of this. Let me get away. And Haman, however, stayed behind to plead for his life with Queen Esther. For he knew that the king intended to kill him. And in despair, he fell on the couch where Queen Esther was reclining. Remember, when they ate in these times, they usually were reclining. Tables were low, they sat on the couch, and he just kind of throws himself down there, sits down. And just as the king was returning from the garden, the king exclaimed, Will he even assault the queen right here in front of my eyes? And as soon as the king spoke, his attendants covered Haman's face, signaling doom. They knew. Everybody knew. Now this next point here is a little difficult for us. When someone's been caught in their own trap, don't set them free. We tend to want to go light on them, don't we? He pleads with Esther. Esther doesn't say, okay, as long as you're sorry, I'll let you go. Because Haman wasn't changing, was he? He was sorry he got caught, but he wasn't sorry for what he was doing. And sometimes what needs to happen is when somebody does something, you need to allow them to suffer the consequences of it. It's one of the big problems with so many of our young people today is their parents have been bailing them out rather than allowing them to deal with the consequences of their behavior. Yeah, okay. And say, oh, well, it's my little Johnny. He wouldn't hurt anybody. Oh, come on. Oh, my kid's not like that. Yes, he is. And so we're good at saying, oh, okay, you're sorry, let's go. Many times what needs to happen is people need to suffer the consequences of their choices. That's how they learn. That gives God an opportunity to change their heart because that's what needs to change. And Esther, when he pleads for his life, she doesn't say a thing. 
She's revealed it. She's put it out there. The king comes in. You're a dead man. She doesn't, oh, king, come on. He said he's sorry. Let him go. God is a just God. Now, this justice, you and I struggle with sometimes because when it comes time for the end times, God is going to be just and people are going to be sent to hell for their sins. That's going to say, oh, God, that's unfair. No, everybody had an opportunity, didn't they? Everybody had a choice, didn't they? God lets them suffer the consequences of their choices. By the same token, when you make a right choice, you get to suffer the consequences of that, which is a great thing to suffer. And so I have to understand where there's justice here that sometimes, yes, people should say they're sorry. Yes, you hope there's a change of heart. But sometimes, you know, the kid says, I did it. Well, I'm glad you told me the truth, but you're still going to get a whooping. That's how we learn. And in our society today, we live in a time where people think you learn just by, just say you're sorry. Don't you do anything against them. And God is a God of mercy. But God is also a God of justice. And the king is angry. And he's ticked off. And Haman's is going to receive his reward. Haman receives his reward. Verse 9. Then Harbona, the, one of the king's eunuchs, said, Haman has set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall in his own courtyard. He intended to use it to impale Mordecai and the man who saved the king from assassination. Then impale Haman on it, the king ordered. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai, and the king's anger subsided. <laughs> Three things. The trap you set for someone else may end up catching you. The ill will that you have towards others may come back on you. The thing you devise so that other people will get in trouble may end up being your downfall. That's why forgiveness becomes so critical. Because when I forgive, I set people free. When I hold a grudge, I'm still trying to set a trap for them. I'm still trying to, you know, catch them. I'm still trying to make them pay. I'm still trying to do something for them. And God says, look, you've got to forgive. And if you don't forgive, it's going to come back on you. And unforgiveness doesn't hurt the other person. It hurts you. And so sometimes we think we're being righteous. Sometimes we think we have a right to behave this way. Sometimes we think, well, this is the way it should be and this is what I'm going to do. But be careful because you might get a taste of your own medicine. And you've got to understand that God is in control and you're not. And what Haman had designed for someone else and to end someone else's life ends up ending his life. Be careful. 
God has a way of caring for his children. Mordecai and Esther are up in arms about this. It's a hard thing for them to wrap their hands around because we're going to die. He's issued this edict. We don't know what to do. Let's take a risk. Let's bring it before the king. But notice all the thing about it. Esther never, king, that man did it. He needs to die. She never did that, did she? She never went before the king. King, how could you? She just said, king, there's someone that's out to kill me. Who is it? It's him. That's it. King, I wouldn't even bring this before you if it wasn't such an urgent issue. And you've asked me, and here's the deal. And how calm she was on the outside. I don't know if she was that calm on the inside or not. But she allowed God to take care of her because God always cares for his kids. He's never failed me yet. And God has a way of taking care of us. We just have to trust him, don't we? We just have to know he cares. And Jesus said it. He said, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. And sometimes in life, it's hard to remind ourselves that God cares about what we're going through. That God cares about what's going on. And if it's a concern to you, it's a concern to God. And God has a way of caring for his kids. And that's a great reminder for us. God cares. Nobody cares. Yes, they do. God does. Finally, God is always working when there's a crisis. I don't know what you may be going through tonight. I don't know what you may be facing. I don't know what you're dealing with, but here's one thing I know. God's working. God's at work. He hasn't forgotten you. He's not putting you on hold. He's at work. Why? I'm not hearing anything. He's at work. Well, it feels like he doesn't care. He's at work. Well, you know, things seem to be getting worse. He's at work. Well, I just don't see how this can work out. He's at work. That no matter what you're going through, God is working. And he's working everything out for what? Our good. And he's working all things out in a perfect way. Because God's ways are better than mine. And so I have to remind myself. Here's what I know. You know what? God cares about what I'm going through. And he's working for me. And I may not feel good right now about stuff. And I may be going through a hard time. And things might seem like they're never going to get turned around. And it may seem like it's been forever. But God's still in control. And God hasn't forgotten me. And God is always working in our crisis. In this whole book, God's been at work, hasn't he? He's been at work. And he's still at work today. He is faithful. So whatever you're facing tonight, great news. God knows. Trust him. He cares. And he is at work. And you can count on it. You can count on it. 
Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.